It's a good show. Hi, I'm Ray Don Chong, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. It's Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select. Here with the help of our friend, Synchronicity. Now it's time for Radio April. Give us a shake. Time for Radio April. Give us a shake. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, here with our musical guest, Coda Corbett. What's up? What's up? And what's up is that we are hanging out at Starburns Industries, digging into the synchronicities, and now we are joined by our next... I don't want to say, I almost said contestant, but you, there's no contest. <laughs> Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Eve Banesh. Banesh. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Eve Banesh. Yeah. That's a very lyrical name. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but as a, as a, as a songwriter, the, the right balance of uh, consonants and vowel sounds is just some of them that are just like, you want to, like, I want to make that into a song. Yeah. Eve, Banesh. Eve Banesh could be a song title. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, with all the all the crazy like sounds people are making up these days and then putting them in songs yeah. yeah that could be a rhythmic sound well welcome now are do you, do you two know each other have you met no. before no. this is a first meeting yeah. of coda corvette and Eve Banesh. who knows what we're going to create here who knows what we're going to create here so uh but you uh you come to us through our uh the introduction of one of our, our one of uh, our, our new producer andrew has, yes. has brought you to this and you work in the film industry yes as an actor, writer, as a director. writer, as a director, yeah. you've worked on projects that uh, pretty much everyone who pays attention to TV and movies are going to be aware of. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what's what are some of the ones that you're the most proud of? Because I could just read off, I don't just shout out names off oh, of your man. list. Oh, uh, man. Most proud of, I guess, when I was little, I was a national treasure. That was pretty cool. That's <laughs> really cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty cool, and uh, I work in uh, TV now. Yeah, so, yeah. What are what are some of the shows that you're you're working on? Well, I currently work for a director, a TV director. Yeah. Um, so he does Blackish and Grownish and Grey's Anatomy. So I'm kind of just his kind of an apprentice slash assistant, just learning from him. Really, those are some those are some great shows. Yeah, That's an amazing he's a he's a directing genius. I'm just trying to be as cool as he is. So you get so basically you work with him, and like when he gets a directing gig on one of these shows, you mm-hmm. go on and you're working as his. I'm on set with him. I go to every meeting. I take notes. I kind of help him with finding references that are talked about in the scripts and send it to him. Yeah, kind of just really shadowing and learning from him. Was is there any particular episode or something that where you were on the set and you're like, 
that's how it works? Oh, every time I'm on set for TV, I'm like, that's how it works. <laughs> like, it's so freaking fast how TV is shot. Yeah. So I'm just like, whoa, like, this is... Was there one particular example of something that you're just like... I mean, again, I'm not asking you to give away trade secrets. Yeah. But as a, you know, sort of... I, I don't know, being on the set of something that you're a fan. Or were you, are you, were you a fan of these shows? I was, yeah. Yes. Before you, so that's something. Like, can you walk onto a project that you're already a fan of? Yeah, you walk into, like, the Blackish house, and you're like, this is a house on a stage. <laughs> but, you know, so that's pretty cool. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, people. That house is on a stage. <laughs> not actually in a neighborhood. <laughs> That's true of almost all the TV Every shows show you watch. You watch <laughs> yeah. right. And has, has, the, has he directed multiple episodes of yeah. all of these shows? Yeah. Yeah, he has. And you've been working for him for how long? I've only been working for him since I graduated film school. So only about four months, three months. Oh. Yeah. You're new to the... Everyone here is so young. Yeah. yeah. So Their life is so full <laughs> and ahead of them. It's I love it. <laughs> so what school did you graduate from? Uh, USC. USC? Yeah. Cool. And that's a, that film school's turned out a few directors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, was, did, was there anything about your... Do you feel like a part of that lineage of the US, of USC directors? I mean, it's very much a mafia. They call us the Trojan Mafia. So mm -hmm. I definitely feel like if I meet anyone from USC, it's kind of like, hey, you went to USC, I went to USC. We're instantly friends. Like, right. You're instantly friends with them, you know? I got my, it was, I didn't feel that way from my undergrad. I went to undergrad in the East Coast, and then I came here for grad school, and I built such a sense of community with mm -hmm. the USC people. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> and have you, did you direct films before you were, like, student films before you came to USC? Um, I came, I did. I came to USC immediately after undergrad. So I had just been directing since undergrad, and then USC I did more directing, and just write and direct a lot. <laughs> have you do, so you've directed your own stuff as well? Yeah, yeah. Anything that we could, you know, I could link to in the show I could notes? send links, yeah, yeah. I could definitely send links, trailers, tell us, shorts. Tell us about maybe the the one you're the most proud of. Okay. Um, I liked how you ended your last <laughs> thing saying racial injustice won't fix itself. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's some right. real. That's some real stuff because a lot of my things deal with, um, what is it? like racial injustice and all that. So yeah. I made a film, I wrote a, wrote and directed a short based on um, a black soldier coming back from Vietnam in 1968 and dealing with the onset of PTSD and still being treated like a second-class citizen in his home back in L.A. Um, so that was pretty cool, recreating the 60s, because uh, that's the time that I right. really love. Um, and then I just wrote and, wrote and directed a short that I shot last summer called The Acquittal, and it was about a white police officer who got acquitted of killing an unarmed black teenager. And after a year of the acquittal, he is starting to really, the guilt is starting to eat at him alive. He starts going down this dark path of self-destruction that ends up ruining his family. Yeah, hmm. so, so. What do you... Is that based upon a, a true, like, was it based on a true story? You know, I got the inspiration to write it after, um... Oh, my God. Alton Sterling and Philando Castile were shot mm -hmm. like, within 24 hours of each other on TV. Right. On video. And I was just, like, angry. <laughs> and yeah. what's the best way to, you know, get your anger out? For me, it's writing and creating yeah. stuff. So Put it into your art. Yeah. Put it into your art. Exactly. Yeah, I, w I, I wonder. Did you, did you talk to any... 
police officers who had been involved in shootings like that for the for the piece? I hadn't. No, I hadn't. It was kind of more like a how I would see their lives being, you know? Yeah, I don't know why. I, this is just... I could be totally wrong, mm-hmm. and I probably am, because whenever you start trying to imagine someone else's experience and you haven't had it, mm-hmm. there's a good chance. But there's a part of me that feels like it's very... It's sort of hopeful and giving the benefit of the doubt that there is that level of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a lot of a lot more self-protection and a lot more sort of I, again I've I haven't been through it so I and I shouldn't I, I shouldn't project it. I guess I feel like if there was that level of self-reflection of the police officers who did these terrible things I guess if you give them the benefit of the doubt accidental things if there was that level of self-reflection there would be more sort of the the system would be self-correcting at this point because you'd have all these miserable police officers out there being like, what have I done? Right. As opposed to, I did the right thing. Right, right. So, but it shows compassion as a filmmaker that you gave that character that level of compassion mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to actually have it have impact them. What is the name of that film? That's The Acquittal. The Acquittal. And the first one was Fortunate Son based off the song. <laughs> the Creedence Clearwater the song. Creedence Clearwater song, yeah. And A Fortunate Son. Oh, yeah. 68 in L.A., that would have been a wild time. What a time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to check out this stuff. And yeah, send your way. Uh, you yeah, sound like a really uh, interesting filmmaker. I'm looking forward to knowing more, to seeing how you evolve. <laughs> at the, you've only been in this out of school for three months. Yeah. <laughs> Look out, L.A. <laughs> Here you come. So, uh, so you've been. Uh, you, have you had a chance to check out what we're doing here with the format? We're going to ask you what yeah. your question is for the Pop Oracle. Yeah, I have. I okay. Have. So, what is your question for the Pop Oracle? So, I'm really into politics, um, and I asked. I checked with Andrew to make sure this was cool. I Absolutely. Know, my question is: Will the Democrats take the take over in November? 2018. 2018. Yes. Will they? Will it be a blue wave? (laughs) Well, this will. Just so you know, this episode will have come out after this fact, so that's fine. So we'll know the answer. (gasps) So, (laughs) uh, so we're we're down to two songs left on the board. All right. Let's see this one. And the two songs that are potential answers for this are song number four, honor, and song number five affectionate we have exhausted the possibilities of the wheel of eight we have used the radio eight cards we're now down to the binary oracular divination tool or as you may know it the coin (laughs) if it lands on heads it's going to be song number four honor and if it's song if it lands on tails it's going to be song number five affectionate Honor or affectionate? And now, to engage the pop oracle, will you flip the <laughs> radio? I don't even know, if I'd know how to flip a coin. All right, I'm going to do it. Eight coin. Heads. Honor. <laughs> this relates so much better to it. Nice.
Baby, how you been? I'm the one and the same to no one else. When I have to, I listen to myself. I am my own identity. Pull me in, show me stars on the darkest of nights. That don't matter, I know just how you bite. Gotta keep my dignity. I'll be honest, they talk about me I'll be honest, don't care what they say I'll be honest, I get you right, babe Did you know two can play this game? Not losing my honor, my honor, my honor Not losing my honor, my honor, my honor You can talk the talk, look around, I ain't running from your lies You can't win if you back up all the fight So what's the use in teasing me? Bouncing off the walls, so much power and knowing what I'm worth Watching out, there's a stop at every turn I go beyond infinity They talk about me, I'll be honest Don't care what they say, I'll be honest I'll get you right back to you know to can play this game Not losing my honor, my honor, my honor Not losing my honor, my honor, my honor They talk about me, I'll be honest Don't care what they say, I'll be honest I get you right, babe, did you know two can play this game? And that was Honor from Coda Corvette. The answer to Eve's question, will the Democrats take back the House and Senate in 2018, the midterm elections. So, beautiful song. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Lots of fodder for interpretation there. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about the background of that song. There it is. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a song about empowerment. And I wanted it to relate to a bunch of different topics, but I really, most most importantly, I wanted to put, like, empowerment at the forefront, whether that be, like, female empowerment or just empowerment and knowing your worth. Got it. What does honor mean to you? Honor is key. <laughs> honor is everything. Honor is um, a very uh, important part of art and keeping your art authentic. So, like, what would be an example of... Because I'm, I'm this. This is a concept that I'm very. I have a honor as a concept means a lot to me. So, but when for you, like, what would be an example of honor or lack of honor in art? Well, I, I believe that you have to stay true to your values in your art, and you always have to honor yourself and your own place in this world, and right. keep on pushing and keep on working. Right. Got it. Cool. So. 
Eve, what did you think about that as the answer to your question? I thought it was great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. happy that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you? For you, do you have a relationship to the concept of honor? Ooh, I never thought about honor before, really. <laughs> um, just kidding. Uh, I think kind of what you were saying, like, I, I think honor is a lot of respecting yourself and especially being an artist, like, respecting who you are and staying true to who you are as you advance in your career. Yeah, doing that has a lot of honor in itself by being able to respect yourself and honor and respect the values that you were raised on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's what I would say honor is. See, I couldn't help but think of that when uh, when we refer to our judges, we call them your honor. Mm. And we are currently in a situation where we are witnessing a, what looks to me, a uh, someone who wears the robes of honor but may not be an honorable person. I am giving, I'm actually giving him way more of the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. because I am trying to maintain the the honor of being the host of the mm-hmm. show. I'm refer- referencing, because it's in December, now when you're listening to this, but we're in the midst of the Brett Kavanaugh debacle, Supreme Court debacle <laughs> yeah, right, right now. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about the idea, like we, we call them your honor, and mm-hmm. I feel that honor just pouring out of our of the things of the systems that we are supposed to be able to count on mm-hmm. and at the same time in terms of what you were talking about earlier about the the stuff the the, the uh, topics that you're drawn to as an artist mm-hmm. i think that the idea that judges and courts have honor is something that probably that's an ex- I, I'm just gonna, that's an example of sort of, of a white privileged idea because mm-hmm. if you've experienced the court system and not had the the benefit of the doubt that some people get in front of judges and other people don't, then the idea then then the idea that suddenly it's like oh my god judges have no honor could be sort of like wow <laughs> yeah obviously yeah. you know I've uh, I don't know. Um, do you ever do you follow the podcast Serial? I've heard of it. I've actually never followed it. It's great. It's yeah. really great. They're on. They're just starting their third season, and the third season. So in the first season, they focused on this murder trial that was a a, a, a Muslim kid who was accused of killing a woman who he had dated, and it was this. And there, you can go and listen to it and check it out. And then they, the woman who did that first series is coming back to do another one. And she starts it off by saying, people were always asking me about what did that case tell us about the judicial system? And she's like, it tells us nothing because it's a totally extraordinary case, mm-hmm. which is what we always look at when we look at cases. So that led her to this idea. If we really want to know what's going on with the American justice system, Let's look at the average cases. So they've they're spending a they spent a year in the Cuyahoga County uh, courthouse just following cases of like a bar fight or a guy who gets busted with a blunt in his pocket and gets beaten up by cops and is trying to deal with that. Or they they did a whole thing on just going from one judge from one judge to another and noticing how every judge kind of gets to do whatever they want. 
in and the way that they talk to people they they have so much leeway in terms of uh the way that they can impact people's lives mm-hmm. anyway i highly recommend i guess this is the, i guess this is my episode of rep, rep, uh, recommending <laughs> other podcasts uh, please don't give up on us you know <laughs> on radio weight ball just add it to your diet of podcasts but yeah so that i i guess for me i i've been like the whole country i've been really traumatized by watching these hearings and the idea that someone like that could end up with a lifetime appointment on the supreme court and so going to your question mm-hmm. really is that trauma going to motivate people to be in action in a way that because the system lacks honor we, it's not enough for us to to win mm-hmm. we have to overwhelm mm-hmm. this with our own honor so like switching it around like your song is about my honor well what is our honor that's the question we're all asking what is our individual honor in relating to this mm-hmm. like where the country is going to you know to the all the the people getting killed by police or people who are being trampled on by the, the American judicial system or women who are being <laughs> targeted over and over and not listened right. to and on and on and on. Um, so I don't, the, it, I have to, I'll be honest, like I said about like, I don't necessarily have the optimism that, um, that maybe I used to have mm. about these things. I still am passionate and I'm still, I'll do what I'm doing what I can and I'm. I would rather have your opti- the the I'm optimism. Not that no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> but but uh, you know maybe you're not you're not. But just listening to you talk about your art and the the the, the things that you're, I think being willing to face the worst stuff is optimistic. Mm-hmm. There's something about the people who are like. It's all light, and I just don't look at the negative things, and that's okay because some people can't handle it. Right. But to me, that is a cynical point of view. Mm-hmm. The optimistic view is I'm going to look at this thing, and I'm because it's there, it's real, right. and by looking at it, maybe I can affect it, maybe I can transform it, maybe I can make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So I do, you know, I think sometimes. Just like honor, optimism kind of gets flipped on its head. Mm. The people who are the most optimistic are the ones willing to go into the darkest places. Mm. You know, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's just like things are weird right now. <laughs> things are weird. <laughs> things are really weird right this now. This whole judge thing is just like another layer to like the storm that feels like it's been happening for the last like couple years. You know, like two or three years. I don't know. It's where just, did where? For you, what was the turning point of like this went from being just bad to being nuts? Well, uh, I don't know. You know, I went to I went to school in Virginia. Right, I went to undergrad in Virginia when um, Trump announced his presidency, and that was the same time as the Charleston massacre shooting, and they were having the debate over the Confederate flags. Mm-hmm. So it was like Trump was running the Confederate flag debate the Charleston shooting and people loving Trump everywhere. And I was around in, in, uh, in Virginia loved Trump and had these, were putting the Confederate flags up like 2015. As I was making my move to LA, I'm seeing this. So it kind of happened really early. (laughs) The whole turn where like, wow, things are really bad happened before I moved to LA in 2015. 
And then when he won, I wasn't that optimistic because of my time in Virginia. I was like, here in L.A., everyone's in this bubble where everyone, for the most part, gets along with each other. And people are like, there is no way America's going to do this. And I'm just like, I just got here from Virginia a year ago. I feel like it might. And then election night happens. Bad. And then it just feels like every week or every day something happens where it's just like, ugh, you know? So to answer your question, where did it turn from bad to worse? I really feel like it happened right around the time he announced he was running. <laughs> you yeah. know? And then when he won, it was just like, oh, God. Like, it's, oh, I guess when he won. Yeah. <laughs> I guess when he won, it was when it was really like, this is really bad. Yeah. 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 No, I think that I, that uh, <clears throat> that was uh, like as, as – uh, you know, Michael Moore's new film, Fahrenheit 11.9. Yeah. The day after, right? Yeah. The day after election the, day. The night, yeah, the night that it was, that the election was called. Yeah. This is the, that was the worst, uh, yeah, the worst my, I felt in a long time. My friend and I, I had a friend that was in town visiting, and he had spent like a couple of weeks at my house, and election day, I voted, and then we went to the beach, and we were just hanging out, and he was like, he turns to me, he was like, huh. Imagine if Trump wins tonight and we're like, <laughs> and then we bought like a bottle to like drink and watch the elections, blah, blah, blah. We didn't even open it up because we noticed he was winning so soon. We we're just like, wait a minute. This is actually too real. So we didn't even like play drinking games. We were just too scared. <laughs> what was I just trying to, to who is the first president that you have that you were aware of as president? Oh, when I was uh, Clinton. when you were a kid, like Clinton. Bill Clinton, Clinton was yeah. was your first like oh that's, that's the, the person president. who's the president. How about for you, Carter? Uh, Bush. Bush too. George. Yeah. The W. 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was wow. born in 1999. So. Yeah. 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 Damn. Bush. That's not a good good one to wake yeah. up to either. Right. Hey, Nixon. So. Ooh. Yeah. We've had some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, I I I certainly. I certainly I think we are all in agreement that we are hoping that the shift that a shift is coming. And going back to the question, I, I really do believe that, yes, we are a nation of laws, but we're also a nation of people and of neighbors. And personal honor might be the last the last, uh, I don't know, uh, bulwark against a country going completely off the rails, like the ability of one person in a situation to either de-escalate it, to to make it to put the put themselves between mm -hmm. danger and someone being targeted, mm -hmm. that every every day we have a, we may have the opportunity to have that specific difference to another person in this way. And electoral politics are not always representative. I saw a terrible statistic that the Republican majority in Congress represents. 45% of the population, whereas the Democratic minority represents 50-something percent. Mm. That, like, so this, those systems are stacked against us. But that serial I was telling you about, when you listen to it, what you see is that by being in that courthouse, mm -hmm. filming, I mean, recording and paying attention, they're changing the system that in for the people who they're paying attention to mm -hmm. because these judges and these prosecutors can't just do whatever they want right. when they know that everyone who follows this podcast that has millions of listeners is going to be listening to mm -hmm. and 
I think that's it. Like by paying attention, by being present, there is the potential with our honor to make that, to make that, have that effect. And I think that your song is a beautiful encouragement for all of us in that regard. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you, yes. Coda. And thank you, Eve, for asking asking a great question. And I'm really, really looking forward to learning more about you as an artist. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been awesome. Yeah, Yeah. thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Ball Show. It's a good show! <laughs> <laughs>